Randomly podcast. Hosted by Gondi, chatting randomly to radio people about radio. Hodge, we finally get to sit down and do the podcast together. I'm sorry I'm late, mate. <laughs> well, we've been meaning to do this and uh, it's been a bit of a process. We were meant to do it. We've, we've had this in the works for about a year or so now, more. Well, you dogged me last time. I dogged you last you time. Do, you dogged me last time. How did I, I do come, that? I came to the Central Coast, had a couple of drinks the night before, fair enough, and maybe I was a little bit rough the next morning. But then you're like, oh, I can't do it. Um, I've got a thing on. And I was like, oh, mate. And then I didn't tell you it was my three-year anniversary in radio. To the day. To the day. And yep. I thought this would be this would be the perfect way to spend my radio birthday with um, the king himself of the Central Coast, <laughs> of yeah. the Central Coast. I'll take that. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it just didn't happen. But, you know, it was, it, we're here now. I can't even think of what I had on that day. What did I have on that day? Probably doing your hair. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good hair, isn't it? It's good yeah. hair. <laughs> But then today you were uh, – we almost didn't get here today because oh. on the way to the Central Coast from Port Macquarie, yeah. car accident, mate. Yeah, no, that wasn't fun. No, I was I was driving along and this woman in front – now, I wasn't tailgating or anything. She was just yeah, – she said she saw an animal and then she s- slammed on her brakes and I just – I went up the back of her. I had a crap car and the brakes just did not do me any justice. So, How far behind her were you? I was ages behind her but – you know, she what she did is she took her foot off the accelerator, and that so the brake lights didn't come on. I started to notice I was gaining, so I went to adjust, and then um, the brakes just went straight on. I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." Your car's a ride off. Her yeah, well, car's a ride off. I, I was thinking about it as well because she had a baby in the car, and I was like, "Well, shit. yeah, it was pretty bad." Once everyone was sort of safe, you know, I was kind of okay. But then I looked at it, and I was like, "Well, my insurance covers any health." You know, if anyone's injured, but it doesn't cover the car. How much money do you think you're going to be up no, for now? Because what, no, what kind no. of car? What kind of it was, car? It was a 2014 Mirage, so I don't know, 10 to 15 maybe. 10 to 15. But it, it, was, it was genuinely pretty shocking. I was like, oh, God, the little your, baby there. And I was like, we were all trying to make sure everyone was okay, particularly the kids. So. And your car? How much is your car? Oh, mate, it's, it costs more to move it than to <laughs> replace it. So. so, but you're going to have to get yourself a car, replace her nah. car. So what are you up for, 20,000? I don't know. Haven't even looked into it yet, mate. Happened uh, yesterday. God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thanks, mate. You need that beer by the sound of things I because uh, we are at my place uh, pretty much like when we recorded the Josiah episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a Saturday afternoon at mine. So yeah. uh, I thought we'd uh, have a have a cold one while we did this. First off, yes. you've got a lot of stairs here, mate. I know I've made the list. Yeah, you've made the list. You make you make a comment about the stairs up to your front door and you make a list and there's about, there's about at least 20, 30 like people that have made that list. Well, no, they're the ones that you can see. There's a thousand on top of that. So it's a thousand plus those people. Is that accurate or? It's pretty accurate, yeah. Every single person that comes to our place mentions the stairs. It's Mm. not that bad. It's one flight of stairs. Mm. It's steep-ish, but I mean, I've been to people's apartments who are, you know, the sixth, maybe eighth floor and they don't even have a lift. Mate, just make a pulley system, get your shopping up a lot quicker. That's all I'm going to say. I have thought about that. I have thought about it, but you kind of get used to it. But it's worth it for the view. You like the view? Yeah, I love looking at all those eucalyptus trees blocking <laughs> the view of what's behind the eucalyptus trees. It's fantastic. Mate, that's water. That's water views if In you fact, squint. The central coast is mm. literally, the roads feel much more narrow because everything's just high. You've either got a, a like a stone wall on one side or just really high trees. I don't like it. Yeah. 
No. I love it here. I don't, it's, it's something about it here that I absolutely love. <laughs> the beaches are nice, though. It's a good yeah, spot. It's a good spot. Yeah. Uh, your One of your former co-hosts uh, lives here, Rach, who, Rach Hart, who dropped you off here today. And yeah. you've seemed to have kept a pretty close connection with her. I mean, her mum even picked you up last night. She did, from yeah. The, from the car accident. And this is going back, you guys worked together, what, two years ago? Uh, yeah, it's about a year and a half ago. So, so... 2018, yep. beginning of 2018, Rach and I took over the the breakfast show on on here in the, on the mid north coast where you are now. Yep. yep. And it, I don't know. It was it was a really strange relationship at first because obviously we didn't know each other, and I knew I think from the the, the demo that we did that it was it was she was going to be she was going to be my co-host. Yeah. It was just a little thing while we were recording. Just we were just riffing, and she just said. Fuck, I want some brie. And I was like, let's go and get some food. We'll record this later. And then we just went, yeah, let's go get food. And, you know, it was just so um, – a, a lot of demos I'd done had been a little bit clinical and there was no real – there was a few that were really good, but I think with Rach, because she was just so um, sort of no shits given but still very professional and could hold a story together, I was, I was quite attracted to that as well as the – the, um, you know, she was quite spontaneous, which I liked. I like being kept on my toes and I like a, I like a, a sort of a, a headstrong um, person to do a show with because I know that even if I'm not trying to rile them up the right, like the right way to get something out of them, they can come out with some really passionate stuff and maybe it is a bit raw sometimes, maybe it's a bit rough, but uh, it, it's always, it's always real and it's always, um, what's that word? Um, Real, raw. Well, I don't know. One of those generic terms that everyone uses. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you've already used those two words, yeah, real and I raw, but I'm just trying to- more words. Fair enough. <laughs> you know what I mean. But she was, so she was producing our show at the time. Yeah. Rachel was our producer for right. the Brie and Gaundy show. Is that, is that when it went downhill, when she came over to- uh, Who said it went downhill? <laughs> 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 when did it go downhill? Oh. For us or for her? Oh, no, it's a, no for her probably. <laughs> Come and have to wake up with me every morning. No, well, I think she looked at what we were doing and went, oh, they have all the fun. I want to give that a crack and uh, went for it and, and got the job with yourself. Was she your yeah. first co-host in the yeah, North was, Coast? she was my first co-host at Full Stop. So you just got there and you were looking for someone and Rach uh, came along? Well, no, I was doing – so I, I – landed an afternoons job on what was 2MC, which then became Triple M Mid-North Coast. And after a, a year and a half of doing that, you know, I was asked if I wanted to take over breakfast on here. And I said, well, no. And it was like, well, why? Because I don't want to get up early in the morning. I can wander in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, go on air at 2 p.m. and then just have a good time. And then I'm like, well, now I've got to, I've got to, be regimental and scheduled and do things responsibly. I don't want to do any of that. But I said yes, because at the same time I knew, you know, you, you kind of got to aim back to breakfast. So where it is. And yeah. I thought, I've had a bit of fun. Now I've got to try and get a bit serious. So we well, get to deliver the content in the morning. I can't imagine yeah. you would have been doing much of that in the afternoons. Well, or- see, uh, I was doing, I was doing breakfasty content in the afternoons and it wasn't sitting well, particularly with that demographic. And I think that's why, People like um, Mike Crowhurst, my general manager, and Yamo were like, well, let's try and find something more suitable for him, something a, a way for him to develop and continue his you know, natural progression in his career. So when the opportunity came up, yeah, they um, 
they asked me to do it. So have you adjusted to the hours? Or you, would oh, you say, yeah? It's, oh, how would you put it? It's kind of being, it's like being jet lagged, I reckon. It's kind of, even now, like I'm not used to it now. I'm not a mornings person, never have been. I've spent the better part of 10 years working in hospitality, doing like five, 6 a.m. finishes. So um, I, I feel like three or four years that I've been in the industry, it's still not enough to, I, I still hate mornings, but I've just turned it into part of the show. I find once I'm, I, I find it really hard to get out of bed, but mm. then once I'm up and about and I'm there, I'm okay. The hardest part is just getting there. Yeah. No, it's, you, you're right. Um, especially on cold mornings, you're just like, do you know what? If I just had that via unit in bed, yeah. I could just do it from here. No bugger would know. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I'd walk in maybe 10 past nine, say hello to the boss like nothing's happened. He wouldn't know. Yeah. I could get away with that. Yeah. And I did get, I did get away with it. Um, when I was, I was meant to do a stunt, I was meant to lose 10 kilos before the Acras last year and I didn't quite get there. It got nowhere near there, in fact, and I had to spend a night on Pelican Island, which was very hard to get across to. So I went across low tide and then the, the tide was rising and it was about two o'clock in the morning when I was realizing I was going to get stuck there. So I had all this equipment, I was there by myself. I went back to my, my room and I just thought I'll do it here, bugger them, and I'll just have a whole load of sound effects. <laughs> but the, the sound effects were too tropical and they picked it up straight away. So I nearly died in fact, because um, the islands technically split into two. Yeah. And um, I wanted to get to the, the southernmost part because that's where the big beach is. And at high tide, it's not covered. Um, and there's all sort of shrubs and trees and stuff in the middle of it. I had no idea that there were that many animals on the island at night. Um, so I'm hearing crunching under my feet. I can't see what's going on. I shine a light down and the whole floor is just glittery and there's like a million crabs all crawling up my legs. It was like something out of a horror film. So I start running and in the end I in the end I just um, yeah, I bailed, but I had to like the tide was nearly going to beat me. No one knew exactly where I was either. So how do you get a risk assessment for this stuff? Yeah, because- I, I was hoping you weren't going to ask about that because I did lie on the oh. risk. I did. I lied my guts out on Don't it. Don't you hate a risk assessment? And then I found out that That's actually it. the the island is like I think it's a protected place. You can't camp there. But yeah. I mean, I didn't camp there, so I mean, I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> yes, got away with it. And so Rach is there for how long? She was uh, not only five and a half months. That was pretty quick, right? Yeah, really quick. Um, what happened there? Oh, she. She got homesick. She wasn't enjoying it as much. She missed producing. Um, and as someone that's never been a producer solely, I I was kind of surprised by it. I was like, okay, but is, is this not more fun? And and she just, um, I, I think it might have been, and I don't want to say too much on her behalf, but I think it might have been some of the, the pressures involved with the on-air um, because that, that was quite tough for me as well, being, you know, my first show. And she, she just, her heart was in being a producer. She wanted to be back with her mum, which I can understand. They got a very close bond and um, she made the call. Do you think being on air is one of those things where people who do it well make it look easy? And I wouldn't say it's as easy as it looks from, from the outside looking in. So you might look at it and go, oh, they just sit there, oh, they have a laugh, they have all the I fun. But oh. when you're thrown into that mix, you know, someone uh, who's, you know, maybe been a producer and then jumps on there and they realise, oh, this actually, this isn't all it looks it to be, if that makes sense. Well, it, it is, it can be, and it is, but well, the, on the, the other hand, it's not. It's easy in some parts. The scrutiny that comes with it, especially when you 
become a, a little bit on the infamous side. I've done a couple of things that rub people up the wrong way and that makes it a little bit more difficult. But um, Would you I, say you're difficult to work with? No, not at all. I, I've got a, a work ethic that's pretty strong and that comes from the, the, the fact that I've got nothing else. You know, I got kicked out of school um, in the last year of high school, which is the worst year to get kicked out. You're nearly there. Um, and then I, I was homeless for a bit. And then I was living on someone's floor for about a year. And then I, I worked really shit jobs for a long time. So as soon as I started, I went to the Australian radio school in Adelaide under Sean Craig Murphy, who's a fucking legend and very creative as well. Um, one of the most creative guys I know. He, um, he, he showed me something I had never seen before. Like, you know, I had never thought I would enjoy radio. I did it as a bit of a laugh, his course. And um, then the job came up and I thought, you know what, I've got nothing else. My, I'm not, I haven't got a career. I work behind a bar. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to throw myself into something. And then once I realised that I was doing okay and that I'd found something I kind of enjoyed doing, I success wasn't enough. I had to make sure that, and I still have to make sure that I – that's right, Patch. Yeah, it's my dog, Patch, yeah. I love Patch. <laughs> He's the only reason I came here. I, I need to make sure in myself that I see this through as, as far as it can go. So I will stay back quite late hours, and um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's not always the healthiest decision, but I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure that the content's good. Um and that makes me a little bit grumbly sometimes, but I always try and keep that to myself. I never expect anyone else to reach the same standards I hold for myself. Yeah, but don't you think, I mean, that is a positive that you're obsessed with it. And yeah. I think you need that to get to the top. But don't you think that can also have a negative side as well? When Because when you're working, especially in a team with a co-host, that needs mm. to be that sort of give and take and, mm. and, and not everyone has that same level of drive and then to expect someone else to have that might have a negative effect. I don't know. No, that's true. If, yeah. that, if that was the case, that's true. I think um, my, my thoughts on that have always been, like I said, I don't expect anyone to have the same drive as me. I'm happy to go solo and come up with ideas and then bring it to the table and go, I've got this whole thing planned out that we can do. What do you reckon? The minute I find out someone doesn't give a shit or they're treating it like a hobby, um, that's when I have an issue because this is, this is a serious thing to me. So if there was um, a case where someone wasn't happy or maybe they, were, they had, didn't have a lot of drive, that's totally different again. Like everyone goes through those low patches and you've got to kind of um, try and either – if you're not having fun, you've got to try and find a way to have fun. And I've kind of lived by that as well. The minute I stop having fun, I've got to either try and reassess what's going on and try and find a way to do it. You have your low patches and you, you – you go home and you're a bit sad about it, but um, I think the day that I decide I'm not having fun, I will give it away. And do you think when – so when Rach said it's time for me to go, you were like, well, if you're not 100% in it, well, then I, – No, I was back home in Adelaide um, at my best friend's wedding and she told me about it and I was I was devastated, but at the same time I knew it was coming because she, she'd been struggling for a little while and, um, and Rach and I, we love each other like a lot. Um, and it was it was tough because I thought we were doing really really well. I mean, we got nominated we got nominated for an ACRA yeah. for best show, which I thought was really cool. Um, considering it was only the audio we sent was pre March, so from late January to 
March is that that's all the audio we had. So um, I was, I wasn't disappointed and I didn't have any bad feelings towards her. I think I was kind of more just worried about her because I knew she was, she was not coping. Yeah. And we had that relationship. So I never held anything against her and, um, and she's doing so well now. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. So she's working with Mamma Mia doing podcasting and and that sort of stuff and looking to get back into uh, producing, which she's producing now, right? She's producing podcasts. Yeah, she's, she's, um, I think she's, I forget how many she's producing, but I think she just got a promotion as well. Yeah, great. So, yeah, they, they hold her in pretty high regard. I'm tight with Rach as well from yeah. the years that she worked on our show. And yeah, yeah. She'll often come around here and, and house sit for us. And, I mean, we live so close together, so I see her a fair bit. And mm. uh, I think she's great. And, yeah. uh, you know. Hopefully she does for, land that thing that she wants to do, mm. um, especially in, in radio. I'd like to hope that one day our paths cross professionally again and we do get to work together. Um, Maybe she'll produce your show. Well, that'd be good. Yeah. Never had a producer before. How does that go with no producer, doing well, it all yourself? I, well, it, I mean, Rach would have brought that experience along, right? Rach taught me a yeah. hell of a lot about how to find people and how to find um, stories and just a different way of looking at it that I hadn't considered. And you got to remember, once again, I'd only done music shows primarily, so this was this was all new to me anyway. I took a lot out of my time with Rach, and um, the the interesting thing is is that I've never worked with a behind the scenes producer, so it's kind of a case of you know I, I don't know what I'm missing out on. I think it will probably come to a point where. I will have to try and adjust to having a producer more so than being without a producer. You'll make that adjustment pretty quick. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, very <Yeah>. quick. <laughs> well, see, I, I, I like looking for content. I like grinding out for a story. Oh, you still do that, but it's just the difference between once you find something and then they can chase that person for you, then you can move on to the next thing. So mm. it's about being more efficient and, yeah, and, and yeah I, th- I just think – once you have it, I mean, because you said you haven't had it, so you don't know what yeah. it's like with it. Once you have it, and then you don't, then then it could be tough. I yeah, reckon true. that might be a harder uh, transition. Mm. Um, you're very good at, uh, and Mickey Ma mentioned this on the podcast when I had him on a, oh, did he? a while ago. Now, uh, good at creating a headline or a story or some sort of interest in your show, whether it's through radio today or uh, posting it on the Hit Mid North Coast Facebook page good at kind of grabbing something from that morning show, putting it up and saying, you know, you won't believe oh, tough. What ha- what's happened here. Like I'll, I'll have many days where I jump on and go, oh, shit, what's this? And I'll click on it. So you're good at the clickbait stuff. You know, but it's, <laughs> Can it's I all, back it up though? That's yeah, good. It's, it's always good. I'm just saying <laughs> you're good at creating those. So that's a skill of yours and it, it, that must be a strength. Oh. I guess it's a case of once again, I when Rach and I started, and Christy was involved as well. So Christy's my current co-host, and I've worked with Christy for three years. Um, when we started the breakfast show, I wanted to scrape all the red paint off the walls that had been there um, since the old Star FM days, and we repainted it, Christy and I, over the long weekend, Australia Day long weekend last year, twenty eighteen, and. We painted it white. We put the decals on the hit things. Um, we got the, the 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 socks to go over the microphones, which were pr- pretty pricey for a country regional station. We wanted to emulate um, as close as we could to a metro station. I looked at the content they were doing. I don't listen to a lot of radio. In fact, unless it's on socials, I, I don't have time. I never listened to radio before getting into it. 
um, except for when radio when um, uh, Little Britain was a radio show. I used to get home from school and listen to that on the ABC. Aside from that, no radio. So I was hearing from mothers particularly that um, they were hanging out for M. Rossiano's videos and some other videos as well, and they were telling me about the times that they were coming out. So I was like, well, they're trained to know what time the videos are coming out. What I now want to try and do, and Rach and I achieved it, is we made sure that the, the room was decked out. Um, the content, except for things like celebrities and whatever else, we wanted to try and make sure that we could at least – somehow not match it with them, but emulate the quality to a point where we may be confused someone into thinking that we're a bigger market than we are. That was the goal originally. And we, we accomplished that pretty quickly. A lot of people were asking, where's the mid North coast? And I was getting things like, you know, Oh, we thought you were like at a, a Newcastle or something from pe- places that, you know, and um, so we, we executed that pretty well. And I think it started from there and then the hunger sort of set in. It was like, you know, we're, we're onto something. We're doing quite well. We were expecting a lot of backlash early because we were a show taking over from a show that had been around for a few years and there was none. In fact, we, we were doing quite well. So I think we got a pretty easy run at the beginning and that inspired us to get quite hungry for content, but to see where we could go. And to Mike Crowhurst, you know, to his um, detriment. No, well, he he challenged us quite early on to uh, come up with more story arcs. Him and Yamo, who was our content director at the time, they wanted us to try and push the envelope a bit more with what we could do and be more creative and not not be so safe. Um, and that wasn't to say they were spurring us to do things we shouldn't, but it was a case of there's a lot of safe radio shows out there. What are we going to do that's different? So the keys were to emulate um, the style and as, as, as far as we could, the quality of the content coming out of Metro um, and also to make sure that the content was relatable to the local market, which most of the time it was. It was some things that probably didn't hit home, but you got to learn those early. Um, and continually, even now, um, and then to to make sure that you're doing it in the most unique way possible. So we had to make sure we weren't the same, and I think that that was really important. So finding a way to market yourself inside the industry as well as to your listeners was a really important thing, at least for the first six months. I think people underestimate as well the time that goes into that because then yeah. you're, you're videoing your breaks, so you've got the cameras set up there as well. Yep. Uh, then you're grabbing that footage, you're editing that footage, on you're getting phone. it up. So you're doing it all on your phone. Everything, even now, done on my phone. So um, I've got watermarks, I've got all of that sort of stuff. It, it got to a point where I noticed the videos needed, you know, if I looked at the videos now from last year, beginning of last year, and how much they've evolved – um, I think in a past life I would have been embarrassed by them, but now I look at them and go, do you know what? Fuck, we started so rough, but we, we were so proud of them and they did well. But looking at what we're doing now in comparison a year and a half later, and I mean that as a station as a whole because um, obviously people have come and gone, um, it's something I'm quite proud of considering how small a market we are. So were you videoing them on your phone as well? So you've got your phone no, in the No, slot, no, no. So. Um, Rach found us some old webcams. USB ones and we just plugged them in 
We, we use an OBS system and I get people all the time, um, not just from our network, but from other networks asking, you know, what do you use? How are you doing this? And I would happily tell them these do this. I'd love to see more of it. I think it, they, there's so many creative people in country markets, particularly not knocking provincial, but I always look at Metro and I think to myself, if I was a PD, I would be looking to the country markets, to the people that are creative with like, you know, zero um, money and just nothing, nothing else there. Like, you know, what can you do with a piece of string sort of thing? So the people that are creating good content with, with nothing, they're the ones I look at now to go, you know, I want to, I want to be friends with them. Like, what are they doing? I will say though, even with a, say a, a, a digital person aside, because often the digital person looks after not just the show, but yeah. two stations and yeah, you know, true. they're, they're very far sales. They do one person does all the digital well, yeah, stuff. Your bloke's amazing. Kalen. I yeah. have got a lot of respect for that bloke. He's a wizard mate. Yeah. I've tried to, I've tried to steal him for a weekend, like a couple of times in <laughs> yeah. the end. I was like, no, he is great. <laughs> but even he's, so he, he looks after two geos. CFM sales, he'll go out and film all day. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he's so far spread with what he does. Yeah, um, it's amazing that he's able to turn around what he does. But I'm just saying, it's not like in the provincial markets which I'm in, we have someone dedicated just to our show who are pumping out video yeah. content like it's Kyle and Jackie O. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah, we've got a producer, but the budgets aren't there either. So no, that's true. You know, yeah. pr- provincial, uh, you know, face the same problems. Oh, no, you don't the agree. Same or similar? Similar. Let's go similar. I mean, I'm using a 1973 desk at the moment. <laughs> I could give you, in fact, I've got a list of things that are wrong here with okay. the studio. So going to air sometimes is a bit of a drama. Is that an issue? It's a, a huge issue. Yeah. In fact, there's a spot on the desk that I have to hit a specific spot that'll give us audio out of the right hand speaker as well as the left, which is, okay. is what you want. Yeah. So, and I heard, actually I heard Lakey talking about this when he was talking to you, there was like an F12 button that you don't press or something and the whole thing goes up in flames. But it's, it's very much like that. I would give my left nut for a studio that is just done up and we've been, <laughs> we're getting it eventually. I think we're getting done up next year, but um as a uh, a workplace, there's there's a lot of things that I think um, in country markets where there's not a lot of cash spent on them just yet. I know they're sort of going through them. There's a lot of uh, hurdles just to get the show out. So um, when those things are on top of the fact that, like you know, the the digital stuff, like we had to sort of I had to fork out for the editing equipment on my phone. Don't have any access to anything else unless I want to do it on the down low or pay for my own subscriptions. Like if you make um, the digital stuff yourself with your own wallet. So I think that's probably why there are some stations that don't do it. How many years are you into your radio? Uh, what, nearly four? But four you, years, you can't yeah. really count the first year. Right. Because I, I went from Adelaide to Tamworth and, um, oh God, that is a terrible story. But it, the place was nice. Um the workplace was not fantastic, and um, I ended up, I ended up getting sacked from there. Um, they were looking for a way for ages because <laughs> I can't even say why. But I, let's just say, you know, I'd found something that wasn't great, and you know, all of a sudden there was a big target on my back. And what do you mean you found something that uh, wasn't great? Matter. No, I just it doesn't matter. I mean, something you be, could use against them. Something that accidentally happened across my desk. It doesn't matter. 
They're not there anymore anyway. So it's run by a really good bloke now. So Gavin runs it and he's doing a fantastic job. The culture of the place has just gone, it's skyrocketed again, back to where it needs to be. Because yeah. particularly 2TM um, are so well known for the country music festival. They pioneered that. Yeah. So when I got there, they had just turned away from the country music side of it and they'd gone to solely a classic hit station. As someone that didn't know much about Tamworth at the time, I thought, oh, that's cool. I don't like country music anyway. And then I realised very quickly how much the locals adored that country music scene. The community radio station uh, suddenly started to take off. They were the go-to place and that was quite embarrassing. You know, I'd get shouted out in the streets as though it was my decision because the show pretty much changed when I got there. So... Um, it was a really hard thing to take having the local community, nothing to do with your performance, but the fact that the music had changed. As someone that had never been in radio, I was like, it's country music. Get over it. It's shit. Anyway, I, I like it now. Well, some of it. My younger sister uh, lived in Tamworth yeah. and I went and visited and absolutely hated the joint. Yeah. I couldn't live there. I no, couldn't bring myself. I haven't even been back. It's tough. It is tough. But <laughs> tough. The, the people, some of the people there were really, really nice and I still talk to a lot of them. But, yeah, it was a, it was a tough first gig um, and it wasn't a breakfast show. I went there thinking I was top shit. I know you probably think I think that now. I, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I've changed quite a lot. But you go there as, you know those people you see at the pub and they go, oh, you're on radio. Oh, me and the boys get together and we got mad banter. We could do a podcast, mate. I don't know what accent that is. Yep. It's kind of amalgamation of all of them. <laughs> and then um, I think I, I didn't go in with that um, exactly, but I went in thinking I can talk. I can talk. And it wasn't enough. Um, so it was a learning curve having my first ever content director, Kirsty, um, at in Tamworth. So she rocked up not long after me. And I don't think management really understood what a content director did because she was at odds with them as well. But she taught me so much and got me ready for, for port. See, but what I was going to say is the four years uh, into your radio career, yeah, um, I spent three years in Esperance in WA when I first got into it. Yeah, right. And it's doing all these things that you're doing now, you know, find, yeah. getting your own equipment, video, videoing your own stuff mm. and do all that stuff. That's all stuff – you know, I was making I was making ads for the radio station. This yep. is back before digital kind of yeah. uh, went big, but I was making ads for the station. I get my own sound effects, do all this during yeah, the day, and yeah. So, but I think it's great because when you eventually work your way, like everyone is trying to do, mm. um, it's all these skills that you've built up oh, and shit, the yeah. appreciation you've I, got once you get to a point where you don't have to do that stuff I, anymore. I have, so I know it's weird to say this, but I've thought about my future. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it and I thought I'd hate to get to a point where everything is done for me because, um, and it's the same reason I don't think I'll move home to Adelaide anytime soon. I don't want to lose the hunger. And I think if I start getting it too easy and I start having things done for me and the, the show gets too easy, I will not be, I will not be as dedicated if I go home to Adelaide and I have everything, I have all my old friends back and I've got the dream job and whatever else, it's going to get boring. I need to be away from home. I need to be doing things that are out of my comfort zone. I need to be doing ads and um, having my time taken up with menial tasks I don't want to do. I need sales reps coming in and saying, I need this on air tomorrow and me going, oh, for fuck's sake. All right, fine. But really I'm just sitting there going, do you know what? Whatever, part of the job. Keeps me busy. One day I'm going to look back and go, oh, God. I get so many Metro people that I've got a few that mentor me sort of unofficially. and um. 
they just go, mate, you will never have as much fun as you do right now in regionals. And they're right. I've got so much power over what I want to do. As arrogant as that might sound, the the ability to have um, the power over your show um, is an amazing thing. And I don't really want to lose that. Christy and I at the moment are doing awesome things. I think I'm probably the happiest I've ever been right now because we're doing what we want to do and we know each other so well. We know where we want to take it. And I think once you start that precedent, um, you know, you can go on from there and people kind of, it's like when you get picked up in Metro and you're not, you haven't quite got a name for yourself or whatever. Um, I know of people that have had to change their names and their brands and whatever else. I want to be that sort of announcer or team that gets picked up by people that already know who you are and what you're about and you don't have to conform too much to a totally different way of doing radio. Do you know what I mean? Where do you see that fitting in if it was to happen anywhere? Like if you were uh, well, to pitch yourself somewhere outside of where you are now, where, where do you see it? Well, I thought, you know, I'd like to jump jump provincial. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, Lakey did it. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe start with one of the smaller, lesser heard uh, metro stations, I don't know, two-day maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll be the next host <laughs> after Jamie Angel. Well, I only met Jamie, what, a couple of months ago. Yeah. and um, One of the all-time legend announcers. See, I, I don't know. I, until I got into radio four years ago, I don't know any of these people. It's, it's so intertwined with the radio industry. Everyone seems to know everyone's backstories. I got no idea. I didn't even know who Fitzy was till he called me. Fitzy I, from I'd Nova? I'd seen his na- no. Oh, from Triple M, I Fitzy. knew Fitzy from Nova. Yeah, right. So um, he called me up and I'd seen his name on a few, few important emails before and I'd heard about him and he had this great voice. I'm like, oh, but why are you calling me? Why aren't you on air? And he goes, I was on it. He was, yeah. I was like, oh, sorry. Sorry, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a really nice, and do you know what? He's a no bullshit sort of guy. So I got on with him. He was all right. Jamie. He gave I, me my first yeah. crack at Metro Radio. Did he really? Yeah, Fitzy, yeah. Oh. At Triple M in Melbourne. Get around that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Jamie I met uh, very briefly. I mean, I was I was there doing um, a bit of a, a trial run over a couple of days for a night show. Yeah, so that was pretty recently, that yeah. Triple M in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, you did a trial run. I, I tuned into that, had to listen to a couple of breaks. Yeah. I thought you suited it well. Well, uh, it's tough. You're an, you're the anchor, right? Me. Of your show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've only ever anchored the show. I've only ever panelled the show. So um, because the panels were totally different, they didn't have a lot of time to teach me the panels. They just wanted to see how it was going to go on air. Without having the um, the panels in front of me, I was totally off. Like it, it was still – I think it was still fine. I think it was great. But um, – it was nerve wracking because it was Sydney. It wasn't just a triple M. It was, it was the triple M, you know, three and a bit years into radio. I shouldn't even be there. Like in my mind, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, this is, this is triple M. So, um, I don't think was, there's any given timeline though. No, like, there's if, not. And I mean, I, if I you're meant I, to be there, you're meant to be yeah. there. You're asked to be there. And, so. and I, I think I like to think that at, I mean, I'll be 31 at the end of the year. I started in radio about 26, which a few people- late start. Well, see, I don't know if it is. I used to think so. I don't think it is. There's a lot of younger announcers that I don't think have done well with the small town fame and, you know, sometimes they can get sort of- pushed out of the industry because they're they're then just not coping. And I think I came into it the right amount of, uh, you know, life experience for want of a better phrase. Um, And life experience is shit life experience. It's not like traveling the world because you're super rich. I think I came into it at the right time for me and um, I seem to have done okay. Oh, you're doing great. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get the 
the shot. Um, yeah. So what happened there? So you did well, the you did the uh, the demo for yeah. the night show. What was the it was, feedback? It was just such a weird timeline. So I was about to race off home to see my pop, who was about to pass away, and I got the call from Fitzy, and he said, "Look, I'd, I'd like you to do this demo." I went and um, I went and saw my pop. Came back, and then within a week, I was in Sydney, and uh, I did it. And um, yeah, there's a couple of things that didn't go to plan, which is fine, but you know. Um, in the end, uh, Fitzy and I have spoken since, and he wasn't negative about it at all. He gave me great feedback. Uh, he said, "Look, I want to, you know, help you develop and all that sort of stuff." And I, I feel now because I've, I'd been doing the show solo for seven weeks since since Cass had left, my previous co-host, and I'd found out that Christy was going to be the co-host, and I was pretty happy. And I was more. I was more excited and no disrespect to him. I was more excited about what Christy and I could do after knowing each other for so long and whether or not we could pull it off. Um, then I was at maybe having another crack at Metro, which I, I know might sound stupid, but at the same time, I think you got to know where you're going to go in, in the short term as well as the long term. And I felt like the right move was to see what I could do with Christy because I work better with someone else than as a solo announcer, you know, uh, on a solo show. It was very ugly Phil style, would you say, the the bit that you, well, see, that I, you were doing? I never, apart from when he did My Generation, I, I never actually heard ugly Phil's stuff. Right. Although I've spoken to him a couple of times um, and he's a, he's great. He's doing amazing things. The Boris Johnson thing he did um, overseas for his new show, that was hilarious. He's great. So to have him, like, you know, he sent me a message saying, you know, all sorts of nice things. I was like, oh, wow, that's huge coming from him. If they did offer it to you, though, and they said, we love you, you're great, you would have jumped at it. You would have done it. You would have gone. That's that's an opportunity. It would would depend. It would depend. Um, I mean, I've always been poor, so money's not going to be an issue for me. When you've never had it, you never miss it. So um, I feel like I would have need to have – if I'm there by myself and I'm isolated and I've got maybe no producer, I I would probably get quite lonely and unhappy. So I feel like – the original idea that Rach and I had was the one that I'm the most happiest with. I want a family atmosphere around the studio. I want people who, who can come and go from the show that the audience will, the, the core audience that listen every day will eventually know. And I think the only kind of solo show I would do, and it's not even really a solo show, is Christian O'Connell style, where he's got Jack, he's got, um, he's got Pats and, you know, that they're, the show is the Christian O'Connell show and they've built it around him, but it's very much, it feels like a family. So um, I really, I really like that song. I think he's a great storyteller. So it feels really, um, it feels like a fun atmosphere. You spent a bit of time on that show, right? Uh, around the Acras last year, I remember you went in and you checked out the Christian O'Connell show. Well, I, I went there briefly because um, I asked Sue, um, Carter, if I could go in just, just to see, and I'd had some problems with luggage, so I couldn't get there early enough to see him. But I actually saw him at the Acras. You remember the state I was in after we didn't win the um, the best on air team? You were pretty devastated. The only reason we were devastated is because a friend of ours had said that they'd heard inside information that we'd won it already. So the beginning of the night, we we're like, "Well, there's the surprise gone." So it was a real surprise when we didn't win it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember, I remember you came over and you kind of put your arm around me and Rach, and you're like, "Mate, it's all good, it's all good." And I was feeling pretty dev. It was nice to have a big cuddle from you know. The big brother. Anytime. Sort of thing. Yeah. But <laughs> then I went around to see Christian O'Connell just to sort of say goodbye to him. And he did the same thing. He put his arm around me with his glass of wine in his hand. 
and he said something I'll never forget. He just said, commiserations, Bodge, these don't mean a thing, mate. Don't let this mean anything. He goes, never expect this industry to be fair to you because it'll break your heart every time. And as deep as that sounded, like it made everything all better. Like he's a hero of mine, like absolutely hero. I've just, I, I don't follow a lot of radio, but I have known about him um, for a long time. When I found out he was coming to the country, I was so excited. I was like, this guy is going to just dominate. And I still think he will. I think that show's building and I think it's going to be, um, I think it'd be sorely missed if it stopped. Have you been nominated this year? No, no, I haven't. Neither. Um, but it's, it's all good. Don't you know what? I, I saw, I was upset about it, but at the same time I was back home visiting Pop in a couple of weeks before the, the deadline and I just didn't get the audio away quick enough and um, I think Cass sent something off. I'm, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure she did. Um, but we didn't get nominated. But it was nice to see um, some people from last year that didn't get nominated who were devastated about it, who are now nominated this year. And I think, you know, that's fair. We were nominated last year. We got to go. We got to have free drinks and whatever else. Other people having a crack. That's fine. I, I'm happy about that because there's a lot of other people that, you know, I, I get a lot of coverage. I shouldn't get as much as I do. But, you know, it's it's nice to see the, the wheel go around and everyone get a go. It's a mixed bag, the Acros, isn't it? You never yeah. know what you're going to get. You never know who's going to win. No. Just, uh, I don't know. I had you, some good gags in mine as well. You, I don't know happy what, with yeah. <laughs> God, I just I, wanted to go for the free trip. You yeah, know, it would have been great fun for the no, trip. But it's um, I'm not a good networker. I hate mm. doing. It. I don't like talking to anyone with a, with um, some kind of ulterior motive. I don't like networking for the sake of it. I'll talk to anyone, but I just, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I don't like wanting something from someone and trying to be friends with them to get it, or sucking their dick to try and get a better job or whatever else. I don't do any of that. There's no point. Because they know and they don't care and then they just go, yeah, and they look for a way out. What's the point? Unless it's the right job and then who knows? And Well, I want to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be sucking the yeah. balls as well then in that case. Uh, uh, but, it's just, but, you know, some of the best people have never won radio awards. So Christian was right, you know. It, yeah. It's nice for the night. Everyone feels great. And then I had Jack Lawrence on this uh, podcast. Did you yeah. listen to his episode? Uh, I, no. We, mate, go back and have a listen to it. <laughs> go back and have a listen to Jack Lawrence, yeah. who anchors the Husey and Kate show. And sure. he said he won two ACRAs back-to-back. I think it was for best uh, entertainment presenter or best music presenter for his time on the Gold Coast. And he thought the job offers were going to come flying in. They did not? Nothing. Right. Not a single thing off the back of the ACRA Awards. So... You know, it's one of those things that it feels great, looks really good on the resume, but it doesn't mean it's going to make well, or break I just, your career, really. I just feel like if I was to get arrested for something, I'd go from being, you know, Jason Bodger, a radio announcer, blah, 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 arrested for whatever, indecent exposure or something, to ACRA award winner Jason Bodger, yeah. arrested for <laughs> indecent exposure. You don't need that level of pressure. Well, it's like, <laughs> when, it's like when I had that pop at Alan Jones last year and then Stephen Senatiempo had a pop at me and I was like, oh, here we go. And then I saw the write-up and it was multi-ACRA award winner and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> well, it's just bodge. Just bodge. Like there's no credibility in the name bodge. Was that friendly rivalry between you two? I'd never met him in my life. I heard about it. I was alerted to it and I thought, oh, great, I'll go into work. 
had a listen to it and I thought, okay, well, here's where I'll have a pop. I'll do this, I'll do this. And then we spoke at the Acros and it was all good. I think it was a bit of bit of fun in the end. However serious he might have taken it, I don't know. But For anyone that missed it, just very quick recap. What oh, okay, so Alan Jones um, said some horrible things on air to the CEO of the Opera House in regards to, um, you know, the, the betting information um, on the sales of the Opera House, you know, being plastered on there um, by via projector. So I heard about it, and once again, I'd never really listened to Alan Jones. Everyone knows who he is, and then I heard, and I thought that's no good. And I, I saw people making light of it and putting their own pictures on there on socials, and then I thought, well, um, I'll go another, I'll go another way, and I'll sort of, I'll, I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can have a pop at the big dog and see what happens because I'd had a bit of bit of luck with people responding. You you never realise how small the industry is until you've annoyed someone uh, much bigger than you. So I thought I'll have a go. And then the chaser did one much, much better by plastering his number all over the opera house. <laughs> but then, I you know, I hooked a different fish. I got Stephen who had a crack at me on his national show. Somehow, well, national, regional show. Somehow he got more coverage um, with my reply on my little show, so. Mate, it's great you get a bit of coverage yeah. any yeah. way you can get it, you know. Yeah. And you, because you also um, uh, have been on the Kyle and Jackie O show a few times. I'm guessing that's through well, Bruno. Well, the, I was on their show once. So I got a I got a thing with lawyers here, right, and it's a jokey thing, but Alex Strawn, very good friend of mine, yep. his dad is Mark Strawn, who's been doing 30 years of radio on the mid-north coast. He's a legend, absolute legend. So Both when, legends also. I love well, Alex. He's great. Well, as soon as... I um, we managed to get Alex on the show as our traffic reporter. He knows all the local names for different things. You know, um, the big roundabout between two streets. I don't even know. It's the donut. You know, just local things like that. And he's just he's got so much swagger on air that I was like, I need him on the show. That is important. So we got him on. Um, Ray Hadley took him beginning of last year, and we called up Ray and said, Right, mate, give us our traffic, bitch. Get your own. And um, we did it a bit more nicely than that. That's in fact, that's what I said to Kyle and Jack because you can say bitch on their show. Yeah. But um, had a bit of fun with Ray and then we burst into his show. Six months later, um, Vic LaRusso was off and Alex was covering Kyle and Jack's traffic. So I thought, right, Rach has just left. It's my first show by myself. Entertainment reporter Dean McCarthy couldn't do the show because he was flying. And now Alex has just told me he's also not on the show. So I thought, right, I'm gonna make a stand, and I said to Bruno, "Mate, I need to, um, I need to do something about this because um, we can't be having him on the show all week. He's mine." So we went and had a bit of fun, and then yeah, Kyle's Kyle's been pretty good. We've had him on our show a couple of times, um, mate. He's he's um, he's much more than I think people outside the industry give him credit for. Um, you know, the shock jock stuff. I actually listened to their show for the very first time a week before Christy and I started because I thought I've got one of them fancy laptops now that you have so I can work from home. I go onto the logger and I'm like, oh, this is the Sydney logger. I can listen to Sydney stuff. I'm like, okay, let's listen to what Colin Jackie O did. And I was listening to it and it was incredible. I was like, he's so spot on with all of the the, the special stuff you got to do, the things you got to get right. And I'd never heard those on social media. I'd only ever seen him go on rants saying funny things. And then to hear him anchoring a show, I'm like, mate, he fucking nails that. Yeah. So I was looking at him a whole, whole new light, but we'd had him on plenty of times and talking to him off air. He's just like, I remember him saying something that was great. He said, mate, 
never fucking listen to a content director. They're just failed announcers. And I laughed my guts out <laughs> and I was like, well, we can't put that on there. But yeah. And I will always listen to a content director because they've got more experience than me. But at his level, for him to say that, I was like, you know what? Fair play. He's very personable though. I've only met him a couple of times, but, uh, you know, just – and a lot of people do say this for what he is on air, yeah. uh, off the air. Totally different. Just super nice. Yeah. He's got a lot of time for the smaller stations as well. Yeah. Um, and a few people have said that. So it's good to know that, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a heart under there, under all that cholesterol. Would you say you base your style on him in a in a small way? Is it like no, ruffling a few there's, feathers? There's been, there's been a lot of talk about that. I copped a nickname Regional Kyle for a little bit and I didn't like that because – while I appreciate him and what he does, I, I'm I'm totally different to him. What I do now is literally what I was like behind the bar. You know, it's, it's this sort of surly, I don't want to be here kind of thing. And sometimes that's real. But there is kind of, um, and David Bowie said this really perfectly once. I forget who he's being interviewed by. But to hear someone as iconic as Bowie say that he was a collector and that everyone throughout their lives is an amalgamation of the influences that come into their lives, it makes sense to go, there are things that I have taken from different people, but most of what I do on air, I've taken from outside of radio. I think um, I've learned more about storytelling from Christian O'Connell than I have from most other jocks. I think he's probably the best storyteller I've heard when he spoke about the the um the terror attack in Melbourne last year as an outsider, he made me feel like I'd lost something by talking about one of the local businesses and the way he portrayed that. And then playing Bowie's Heroes afterwards, I thought it made me quite emotional like I'd lost something. And at that point, and I think it was about early to midway through last year, not long after he'd started, I may be wrong, I, th- I looked to him for storytelling. So I would look to him more than probably anyone else. Kyle is spontaneous. He's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. I love that about him. I like the fact that um, he, you know, he loves Jackie and he cares for her a great deal, but he doesn't show it often. So I've probably taken some of that. I like people to know that I care about my co-host, but at the same time, they they need to see me kind of standoffish a bit as well. And that's a lot of that. There's a lot of natural. Um, a lot of my natural behaviour is like that anyway. I don't like to show a lot of emotion. With Kyle, though, um, no, I, d- I don't take a lot from him at all. It's not the worst comparison, though, if you were to get that. Um, I, yeah, I guess so. But, um, no, I just um, – there's a, there's a lot of TV that I take um, take a lot out of. I used to love Graham Kennedy on Blankety Blanks. I know that's a really old show. I used to watch reruns of it, but there's people like him, people like Bert Newton, and the way they would control a crowd – is how I envisaged one day, this is when I was doing early 2TM stuff, is how I envisaged I would one day sort of be um, able to, you know, in- entice people. So that's where that kind of started. And then there was things like, um, uh, I, I don't know, there was a lot of just outside of radio influences that I think I may have just sort of taken bits and pieces from. Um, and I think everyone does that. You mentioned your radio uh, people that you're working with in, you said metro markets, some people. Are you able to say who they are? Probably not, no. You can't say? No, but there was there was one lady who I'm still quite close to and she was asked to change her name to something totally different to what it was and they had to come to a kind of a, um, a midway point where she could keep part of her real name. And I, thought, I always thought it was quite sad because she's so good. And if she was still in the industry, 
and I was uh, if I had my pick of announcers, I'd totally do a demo with her at the very least because I think she she sounds amazing and she's a great storyteller as well. Storytelling is where it's at. Yeah, what about uh, your mentors? Is who I'm talking about oh, though. Mentors. The mentors who you said you've been working with. Uh, well, I count I count Bruno as an unofficial mentor. How often would you chat to him? Oh, he's very giving of his time. Very giving. Yeah. Um. Oh, not not a lot, but I, every now and then I'll send him stuff or I'll, I'll message him about something and he'll give his opinion on it and uh, he doesn't he doesn't piss us about with it. He give he'll give it to you he'll give it to you straight. Um, Sean Craig Murphy, who's um, Triple M Adelaide, he runs the Australian Radio School. I still talk to him. That's probably waned a little bit, um, but he there are so many announcers, particularly in regional Australia, who owe a lot to Sean, um, not just for the school, but the follow-up afterwards. He gets quite emotionally invested um, in his students, which is not something you would expect from someone that runs a school. So there's him, there's uh, Mark Strawn, obviously, who I work with. Um, he's just... Will he pull another 30 in Fort I, Macquarie, do you think? He is so highly regarded by anyone that works with him. Uh, I hate it when people come up to me in the street and they go, is Strawny as nice off air as he is on air? And I just, I just wish he was a bit of a bastard. <laughs> I just wish I could say to him, no, he's an asshole off air, but he's just the nicest guy. And he, he's found a really, really good way to find that balance of life and work. He loves where he lives. He's involved in the community with the surf clubs um, and the rowing and all that. He goes out for a surf. He loves the beach. He lives across from it. He just know he knows everything about everything in that area because he loves it so much. I, w- I would kill to be in that mindset, but at the same time, I, I know my path is on a different route. So, um, so you don't see yourself, what, you're there for another couple of years, would you say? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it depends on how Christy and I go. I'd like to think that I've, I've landed the big fish with Christy. Her and I have enough the same that we have an insatiable drive to make sure the show's good and to make sure it's honest and it's right for the market. But we're also hardworking enough to know that if we have spats at each other, it takes no time for us to hug and make up and like, you know, we, we, we get along so well. Yeah. So I, th- I feel now that I'm probably at the happiest I've been in radio. I know it's, it's only a few weeks into our show and it's a honeymoon period. And I, we've said to each other, we know we're going to have dramas along the way, but I feel that we've, we've got so much history, including painting that studio and uh, working so hard to make it work that, um, the drive is the same, the work ethic, um, and the desire to be just the best. We want to be taken seriously. And, uh, and do you know what? In, in that vein, it's appropriate to mention Mike Byrne. So Mike Byrne was um, sort of given to us by Yamo when Yamo was um, moving into a different role. I was about to say, if you don't mention Peter Yamorelos on this I list, know, he'll he get, will he'll get shed angry. a tear. He called me up, <laughs> what are you doing, Malaka? Oh, You do a good oh. impersonation of him, actually. I did that, <laughs> yeah. I did that actually in Gosford. Yeah. I did it over the PA. Yeah. But um, I love Yamo. But when Mike, Mike Byrne came on, he will hate that you brushed over him too. <laughs> he he always wants a shout out shout out on his podcast and no, for whatever reason never oh, gets it. He got one. All right. I want to talk about Mike because he <laughs> he has just come off the back of uh, what a recent survey with Newcastle going up. Yeah. He's done amazing work. I don't know a single person that doesn't like him. And he's not just creative, but he's he's quite and you would expect this with a content director to have their own unique personality when it comes to 
being a content director. He gave me so many other points to think about with one talk break of how it could have gone that now I like in the like five, five, six months I've worked with him. I now I've evolved again in how I look at different content. So I think the people you meet along the way um, that have a positive or even an unknown later effect on your career are just so important. And he's done so much. He's done so much for for Newcastle. So um, to see him go recently was very sad for me. Yeah, fact, I, I swore quite a lot when he was on the phone. I thought he was jamming me up. He's very good at the the deadpan jokes. Yeah. So it was quite quite an emotional time. And both his stations went up. He'll land on his feet for sure. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. I sent him a message. I said, "You'll yeah, you'll land on your feet. No worries. Of course. Not that he needs to hear it from me, but you know, he just will. Yeah. Good people always always true. do. And radio's so. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to use this term, but it's so incestual that yeah. you can move from network to network. And as long as you're sort of moving on the right terms, I, I don't think that, you know, you can slut yourself around a little bit. Yeah. Go and have a slut, Mike. Come on, mate. You know, you want to have a little slut. Who knows where he might <laughs> end up next and be like, whoa. Well. Bodge. He's got a lot of people who are thankful for him. It'll happen. I've never worked directly with Mike, but um, I remember when I when I got the job on the Central Coast, Newcastle was up for grabs as well. Yeah, right. And I demoed for both, but I really wanted the Central Coast because my sister lives here and mm-hmm. it's closer to Sydney. So for me, this just appealed more to me. But um, Mike was great in that um, it, when all the demos went down and when I got this, he was, you know, he was just one of those guys that – uh, gave you a lot of time and, and yeah. said, man, uh, the demos were awesome. Um, I think Nick Gill ended up getting that job. He's very creative, time. that bloke. Very musical. Yeah, Nick Gill. Yeah, and yeah. he played for the Crows. So, yeah, legend. yeah, your team. Obviously. How many games did he play? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was like a Fitzy <laughs> situation, matter. wasn't it? Fitzy, no, from Fitzy no- played a lot less, I think. A lot less, did he? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but See, yeah. I actually remember Nick Gill playing for the Crows. I don't have any <laughs> recollection of Fitzy doing it. Fitzy kick five on debut, Don't mate. care. And you have to listen nah, for that. Don't care. Was that with the Crows or was that with the Swans? No, Fitzy did that. Don't know. Don't know? Don't even recall. Mate, Fitzy's one of the great Adelaide blokes. Yeah. So I Doesn't mean I've not met him. Oh, I thought you guys would be on nah, the same page. I'd like to, though. I'd like to, you know, just stand next to him, see how tall he is. Well, when you mentioned that you work with some people um, in Metro Markets, I thought Fitzy might be one of them because he's a proud Adelaide no. guy. So are you. Now, well, see, I, like I say, I, I haven't. I haven't really networked too much. The people I've met have kind of come to me to just say hello. And I've just, I kind of got lucky with a lot of that. So I, I, you know, I'd like to meet a few more people, but yeah, at the moment I'm kind of just, we're getting some good interviews. We're getting a lot of content um, happening that, you know, I, I think is quite high quality for our level. So as long as we're progressing the way we're progressing, that's all that matters at the moment. I don't like to look too far into the future. I think if you've got a set goal of where you want to be, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's kind of a case for me of if I have a set goal and it doesn't happen and something else happens, I might not be happy with the results. So as long as I am constantly improving, I know how stupid and cliched that sounds, the right job opportunities will come up and you just you just know when you've got to jump at one. Um, and if it comes off, it comes off. If it doesn't, that's fine. I'm content where I am. It's going to take something very special to lure, you know, Chrissy and I away from port. And, um, I'd like to get to a place where those kind of offers are coming in. If you're in your, um, say next year, 12 months, Mm. 18 months, two years or whatever. And, uh, Christy decides it's not for her. And then you're looking at your fourth 
co-host. Yeah, well, what happens there? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about that. Oh, Bodge is unlucky. He's had two co-hosts leave. I think it's that mar- it's that market size, man. People come there, and if you're not from there, it's tough. Exactly. Rach found it tough. Yep. Cass, uh, well, from- she went back to Brisbane for family reasons, right? Um, but you know, it, and but she, did she find Port Macquarie tough? Because you kind of you are it, it's isolating being there for it some is. people. She integrated quite well with the the local footy team. She played for the Port Magpies, and um, you know, and she did some other stuff with some of the locals. She made friends with the, the local news girl as well. So, but she was going back home every now and then. I mean, if you can, why wouldn't you? Like if Adelaide was closer, I'd probably do the same thing. But you're right. It is it is a, one of that sweet spot where if you're not from the area, um, it's very easy to get homesick. Um, it was Cass's first on-air role. I think from where she started to where she finished, she and she got nominated for Best Newcomer, which I thought was amazing. Like she's just – she's was eight or nine months into the job and I think it was just a really nice way to kind of send her off Almost not like we've sent her off with that, but um, you know, for the industry to is she back in Brisbane doing radio cast? You know, or no, not at the moment. But um, she there's the door would always be open back to SCA if she wanted to come back. Yeah, right. So, 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 but then it it sounds like it's worked out for the best though, because uh, you've known Christy for so long, you've got that background. I just uh, and no disrespect to Rachel Cass, but Christy and I are two sides of the same coin. And we always have been. We will fight with each other, um, but it's never personal. And we both know the rules of engagement between us. And I think, and that's very important with a lot of show Bibles, the rules of engagement of how you go about it. Chrissy and I um, have known each other long enough that we've already had the good and the bad. um, And we've just got so much respect for each other. And it all comes down to work ethic and wanting to do good. So, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't, if someone's got a, you know, they're not happy or they're just not inspired or whatever, that's one thing. As soon as someone doesn't care, um, then there's, you've got to try and find a way to, way to work through that and bring them back. If they're treating it like a hobby and they're leaving early or they're not doing anything, then that, that's an issue. You know, the likelihood is though, is that, you know, a job will probably come for one and not the other. Uh, being in this market size that you're in, that often happens to it. You know, how often does it happen? I'm not saying it won't happen oh, at all. That, it's just likelihood. Want, that is going to be a really tough situation because at the moment I'm really enjoying it with Christy. If that continues, and I think it will, um, I mean, I want us to move up as a duo. We are, Everyone thinks she's brings out the nice side of me. Yeah, maybe she does, but she will turn on you, the listener, like you you wouldn't believe. She will come out with something so cheeky that I will not know what to say. So she's absolutely um, – Craig Bruce actually said that she was like a young Jackie O. I hope he doesn't deny that because I remember him saying that. Um, last year, he saw a video of her. We we're talking about dry July, and I was ragging on it, saying, "Oh, give me money for not drinking for a month. Easy, give me something hard to do." And then she said, "Right, well, no sexual stimulation at all." And I'm like, "Oh, steady on, chief." <laughs> she's like, "No, nope, not even by yourself for a whole month." I'm like, "All right, yeah, okay, don't even." She's like, "You know, so you can't have a." T-. And I'm like, "No, come on." And she had me on my toes. I didn't know where it was going. Did you have a crack at it? I, I did. How long did you last? Uh, half hour after the show <laughs> finished. But this year, this year I went 15 days, which was fantastic. Well done, mate. A lot Congrats. of cold showers. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> well done. We're on water shortage at the moment, but that's not just down to me. Yes. Um, but 
the fact that she can be spontaneous on occasions but has uh, the ability to to rein me in, I don't mind saying it. It's not like I go over the top, but she knows when to let me go and to sort of um, to drag me back to reality, so to speak. Being, like, a, being a Port Macquarie girl, though, she's yeah. keen to – yeah. You might have well, the opposite effect where you leave and then well, she gets homesick for home and wants to go back and live on the mid-north well, coast. It could happen. I mean, she's just built a house with um, her partner, Michael, who I'm mates with as well. Yeah. Um, he runs a successful business there and they're very happy. They, they're known around town, so they go forward driving with their club. So she's got a really good work-life balance. I don't want to mess with it, but at the same time, I know that she, at the moment – would love to see if she could go the distance. So that's that's her path. And regardless of her decision in the future, if we have a, a good time now and we build something quite special, I'd love to see it go further. Um, and I've already had people say that they're watching it with interest. So um, what her, her decisions in the future are totally up to her. And I would never hold anything against her if she said, look, I don't want to move and it cost me a job, I would be disappointed. But at the same time, that's her call. Man, that's her life. She's further along with her, you know, relationship and, her, you know, adulting, if you like. So if she wanted to stay in her hometown, you know, why the hell not? She could stay on hit for as long as she wanted and just be the queen of the mid-north coast. You that's what she wanted to do. You'd never consider that? No, I want to make money. But um, you was, said you'd never miss money because you'd I never know, have money. But one day I'd like to make money. I heard <laughs> yeah. Kyle makes forty-five grand a show or something rubbish like that. So I'd love that. I'd love to. The car accident I was in yesterday. You know, I'm up for you know about ten to fifteen grand, um, which is not fantastic. But I'd love for that not to be an issue. If anyone would like to donate to Bodge, feel free to reach out to either one of us. I'll put you in touch. Yeah, thanks, mate. To the Bodge Foundation to pay for this written-off car. Yeah. For the lady. It was a shit Astra anyway. Yeah. I'm talking about her car, not your piece of shit. Oh, yeah. No, her car's more expensive <laughs> than that. It's going to take a lot to fill, uh, to, to pay off. Well, here's the thing, mate. Uh, you've said it a couple of times on the podcast, and I think it's the main thing is that you're your happiest you've ever been right now. Yes. Doing what you're doing. So yeah. try and capture that and do with it as you will. I think when you're not waiting for the weekend and there've been times where I'm like, I'm just hanging out for the last Friday show so I can just have a couple of days off. I'm at the point now where the weekend comes and I'm like, what do you want to do over the weekend for Monday? Do you want to go out anywhere? And she's much the same as I am, Christy, where she'll go, you know, we're going to, as we record this tomorrow, there's a, a lion cub's first birthday at the local zoo. I was, I remember when the lion you know, was born. So this is a big deal for us just to go and just to see it. There's a baby dingo pup I want to go and pat. I love animals, so I'm going to go to the zoo. Mate, get involved, get amongst it. <laughs> People think I'm a grumpy piece of shit. I'm not. I, give me an animal and I'll sit there and I'll pat it for hours and just sit in the quiet. I will say, Patch has taken to you like no one else that has been around here. He's uh, been all over you today. He's, so He's a thing of beauty. He is, isn't he? He's bloody great, Instagram Patch. Instagram famous as well. Should we? I get a lot of people asking me about Patch. Yeah, has he got great. his own Instagram account? Uh, we tried that, but I couldn't oh. couldn't keep up with it. I barely keep up with posts of my own shit, let alone... All that uh, gaunt-fluencing? All the gaunt-fluencing, mate, you know? What, you need to keep people what, in the loop with that. What number are you in Central Coast? Most? 71st most influential person How on the Central Coast. How are there 70 other people on the I didn't Central do the Coast? list, but all I'm saying is... Who was number one? 
I can't remember. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, only seventy first matters. Yeah, I love that because seventy first is such a, a, a joke number. Is that yeah, you're the seventy first <laughs> most influential person on the coast? If it's your amazing. breakfast show's number mm. one, yeah. and it is at the moment. Yeah, to have the number one show, you should be up in the top ten. Power. I did think it was ridiculous, yeah. but who am I to say? Disgusting. You know? Recount. If they did it again this year. Bureaucracy, mate. Would at least make the 60s. A few cheeky pineapples have gone in pockets of important people. You know it. Yeah. Man, thanks for popping around, being on the podcast. Sorry it took so long. It's a year in the making. I know. And it's been worth the wait. Yeah, you're better than Craig Bruce, by the way, I hear. just That's not my opinion. I'm just saying that more people, from what I understand, yes. listen to the radio randomly than Game Changers. Even, I, don't know, I don't know if it's because it's finished now, but um, currently more people are listening to your podcast. Mate, so. I would take that. Do you reckon yeah. Craig tunes in? I think he does. He does, yeah. I, I can't speak for when it was going. You know, you might have lagged behind him just a little bit, but I think but now not now. You're definitely the, the most listened to. And shout out to Craig Bruce for listening to the number one radio <laughs> podcast in the game. Yeah, give us a call, Craig. I miss you. Are you tight with him? Oh, we talked a couple, yeah, of, couple times. of times. A couple of times. Mate. That was probably too much work for him. Great to hang out with you. Thanks, mate. The Radio Randomly Podcast. Hosted by Gondi, chatting randomly to radio people about radio.